no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. Oh! One more time. Oh! One more time. Welcome to the Barry Centrals. On today's show, I break down all things NFL Draft Combine and much, much more. And audience, I'm running solo today. But guess what? All good. AW will be back next week. We just thought it made more sense for me to record this alone since I was the sole participant from DBE that pulled up to the Draft Combine. AW was covering another event last week. So listen, audience, I got you guys covered with all things NFL draft to get you guys ready. I don't know about you guys, but this is a hell of an exciting time to be a Chicago Bears fan. Being down there at Indy last week, seeing Ryan Pohl, seeing Matt Eberfus, just understanding that the Bears control this NFL draft. Knowing that there's going to be a high probability that that draft pick gets traded, probably within the next week or so. Knowing that the Bears control the pulse of this NFL draft gets me excited. Now, I know, audience, you guys saw the news that came out with Jalen, that came out last week about Jalen Carter. Tough news. Me personally, nothing changes, right? Because at the end of the day, we know what this thing is about. It's about maximum haul on that number one draft pick. And I'll tell you one thing the quarterbacks in this draft did not disappoint. I'm talking about CJ Stroud put on a throwing exhibition. He was surgical with that bitch. He looked good. Bryce Young, hey, he showed up, didn't throw, didn't test. But the one thing that everybody wanted to know with Bryce Young was, how is he going to measure out? My boy Bryce Young measured out at five foot 10, 204 pounds, and NFL teams are happy with that. I'll tell you one thing, though. If you fire up the tape on Bryce Young, I wouldn't worry too much about that five foot ten. You know, a lot of people are using the lazy narratives of saying, oh, Kyler Murray, he's about the same height as him, five foot nine. Look, can you play football or can you not? Right. And when I look at Bryce Young, this dude not only can fucking play, but he's played at the highest of levels, played at big time games. Same thing with CJ Stroud, right? We know who these guys are at the top of the draft. But AR 15. Mr. Richardson from Florida. This is another quarterback that went out there last week, and he really took control of his own destiny out there. You had a guy right here that ran a 4-4-4 40-yard dash. I mean, there were wide receivers, cornerbacks that wish they could have ran that fast. This is a quarterback at 240-some-odd pounds that went out there and balled out. Broke records in the broad jump. Broke records in the vertical jump as a quarterback. Went out there and showed a live ball. I mean, the way that he was throwing that football, he was throwing deep passes down the sideline just like flicking his wrists. So he's going to be an intriguing prospect. But the reason why I'm bringing up these quarterbacks is because this is great news for the Bears because these three quarterbacks give reasons for teams to want to trade up into that top five of the draft to grab one of these guys. I was so glad that Bryce Young measured up well. I was so glad that C.J. Stroud went out there and threw the football. He solidified himself as the number two quarterback in this draft. Richardson, 
I thought he put himself in a nice category. Will Levis, I know a lot of you guys talk about him out there. He was okay. You know, I didn't think he did anything to lower his draft stock. I just think that Richardson is a better prospect. I thought that Richardson performed better in Indy. Now, I know a lot of people are going to see here. They're going to pick apart the tape. And, you know, you you have every right to do so. Because if you look at that Florida Gators office, it was a bit of a mess. Anthony Richardson threw nine picks last season. But what I'm going to tell you is, fuck the Cam Newton comparisons that are out there. Because I think that that's a really easy comparison to put out there. Just look at this kid and just imagine an NFL team that puts the offense around him. Look at what the Baltimore Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. See, when you get these offensive coordinators to just see what they have in a guy and use him to the best of his ability, a.k.a. what we're wanting them to do here in Chicago with Justin Fields, you got to put these kids in the best situation to succeed. And I think Richardson, if he's put into the right situation, I think that he's going to be a real big-time player in this league. So anyway. The Bears are in a good spot here, as I mentioned earlier in the show. They control their own destiny with this draft pick. Honestly, that Colts move, that's the one I'm waiting on. I'm waiting for the Colts to come up and get that number one pick. I know that they're in a little bit of a stalemate, saying that they're going to wait. Listen, guys, this is all a smokescreen. We know that they want to get one of these top quarterbacks in the league. We know that it's all bullshit, right? The Texans are the only team that I feel like can really sit there at number two and say, you know what, we're good. We we, we like either quarterback option, so we're good staying here. But, hey, there's no excuse for this, a team like the Colts. There's no, te- there's no excuse for a team like the Panthers to sit back here and not go out there and do whatever it takes to get that number one pick. And I love Brian Poles. He has let you know off the rip that if you want to come get this number one pick, it's going to cost you. And I will say, uh, Ryan Post, I need you to get back the draft picks that Ryan Pace gave away when he drafted Mitch Trubisky. I need those draft picks back, Ryan Post. So with that being said, the Bears control this draft. And I love that. I'm glad when I was down at the combine, you don't know how many times when people were like, oh, you guys cover the Chicago Bears. Man, what, what are you thinking about Justin Fields? I, everybody I talked to wanted to know what I thought about Justin Fields. And listen, I said, if you want to know what I feel about Justin Fields, then you need to listen to this show. Because on this show, we tell you the truth about this kid. And it's not about being on fanboys over here. But we tell you, hey, these are the things that this kid could do differently. These are the things that he could do to improve. But the proof is in the pudding. We got our quarterback. And I let everybody know that without a shadow of a doubt. I said, I don't want to hear any of this bullshit about the Bears going out there and getting Bryce Young at one. It's not happening. It is not happening. I have a very big-time proclamation that if Brian Poles goes out there and drafts Bryce Young, number one, I don't see that shit happening at all. But I'll put something out there maybe on the next episode. I had to think about it because I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to put something out there pretty crazy. Just I, I just don't see it happening. However, what I do see happening is that Ryan Poles is going to get a difference maker. Now, Will Anderson may not be the guy because let's say we make that trade to number four with the Colts. I don't see Will Anderson slipping down to number four. I can see Will Anderson getting drafted number three. So for the Bears, it's going to have to really be for them to figure out who's going to be their guy. 
And that's why the Jalen Carter news was so disappointing, or at least on their front, because you knew that with Jalen Carter and Will Anderson at the top of the draft, you had another guy there for NFL teams to kind of look at and to kind of think about. But I'll tell you one thing. I know at least for the Chicago Bears and where they sit, Jalen Carter has to definitely be off of their draft board. I'm not going to get into all the, the nuts and bolts of that Jalen Carter situation because, again, when you got legal processes that are playing on, I prefer to let the legal process play out. But what I will say, Jalen Carter, that shit is not a good look for the rumors that are out there. You know your boy prayers don't get into all the rumors and whatnot. But I would say it wasn't a good look for the things that are out there, the police statements that have been made about you. Ugh, not a good look. However, I do give the kid credit for coming back to the combine because we were down there and we were all ready and waiting for him to speak. And then the news drops that there were two warrants out for the kid and that he wouldn't be speaking. He had to leave to go back down to Georgia. But he came back out of the next day, met with teams. I'm sure they had a lot of questions for the kid. But, hey, I give him credit for not ducking the smoke. And he came back out there, answered whatever people had for him. So that part right there, none of us can really say too much about that. Because I feel like when somebody faces the music, you got to give them props for that. Before I get into kind of breaking down some of my biggest takeaways, some of the players that really blew me away from the week, man, I wanted to give a shout-out to my boy, Greg Braggs. He brought the game and the experiences of a Bears training camp to fans that were going to be able to attend those things, right? And I thought that that was huge, right? There was always some, or there was some pushback from the organization about people filming practices, right? They didn't want to give out a competitive edge, whatever the fuck. That didn't stop Greg. Man, Greg still was out there being an ambassador for the fans. A really solid guy. Bricklayer by, by trade. He did things the right way. I got nothing but fucking respect for a guy like that because when I look at him breaking into the media realm, I'm proud because you have non-traditional what they call journalists and media people that are in the space now. And I think it's good to shake things up because for so long, you had the same type of person that was covering these athletes, covering these teams. And when I look at a guy like Greg, I look at a guy that comes in with a fresh mindset. That's not going to come in with the same archaic way of looking at things. Treating the athlete like a person. Greg and I were in many scrums during the draft combine. And I kind of, and I'm not going to try to even like say, oh, I was doing this versus whatever. But I feel like he and I were a few of the people that was trying to bring the human aspect at the athletes. Not just making it about football. And I think that that's important. You have to humanize these guys. It can't just be all about football. It can't just be all about, oh, well, you will look great in this scheme. And, and no, because you know what? At the end of the day, their agents rehearse them on how to answer questions. They prepare them for what to say. I don't ever want to just get a regurgitated answer that they've been rehearsing and practicing for weeks on out. I want to get into the, the psyche of who I'm talking to. Like, for instance, you guys know on our media side of things, we cover the University of Illinois football team. Chase Brown and Sidney Brown are twin brothers. They come from Canada. They have a unique story where they moved from Canada to Florida with a family that took them in. When they were growing up, they moved from shelter to shelter because their mom, you know, they, they just had some tough times as a family when they were coming up. 
And there was a family that took them in, and this family was very instrumental in them getting to this next level. These are the type of stories that we should be breaking out. Because when you saw Sidney Brown, I would say for sure, you would see he was just living up that moment, right? A guy like that who's been through some probably some really, really shitty times in his life. Now he, he's, what, a month and a half away from being a millionaire? For fulfilling his dreams of being drafted into the National Football League? Something that he has sacrificed and worked his ass off for? Imagine the trajectory and, and how they're going to be able to change their mother's life, their family's lives. Man, I can't imagine the pride that she feels. And see, these are the type of stories that I like to talk about. And those are the type of things that, those are the type of questions that I was at least asking them. I wanted other people to realize it's not just about the football. Yeah, football is cool, but there's a why behind these players. You guys heard us when we had our interview with Tyson Anderson. Many of you after the episode was like, wow, that was a great episode. Yeah, you guys sprinkled some football in, but that was just a conversation with three guys that were just talking and just <laughs> shooting the shit for lack of better words. And Look, A-Dub and I have only had like two or three conversations with Tyson. But any athlete that we cover, that's how we are with them. And I'm glad that Tyson was comfortable enough to come on this show and to give us very open and honest answers. And it's the same way on the beats that we cover. And I kind of feel like athletes, they mirror the person that they're speaking to. If they feel comfort, if you disarm them, if they know that you're not trying to jam them up, if you're not trying to ask them a question and get a perfect shiny quote, just treat them like a human being. So my point of saying all that is salute to Greg Braggs. Love seeing him out there. Man, he was out there getting busy. I just loved it. Because, I mean, I've listened to that guy, man, back when he was on a couple different podcasts. And I always, like, appreciated his approach. He wasn't a Debbie Downer because you get some of these people, You sometimes you can't even tell if they even like the fucking team, right? You're covering the team, but all you do is talk shit about the team. Like, trust me, I get it, right? This team can be very infuriating. But at the core of it, you got to have some love for this squad. You, it can't just be all, oh, they suck and, this, and, the, and the fucking sky is falling. Man, that shit's lame. I feel like sometimes people that cover this team, Sometimes they can be a little negative. Bears Twitter, <laughs> you already know what, what happens out there. So when I get guys like that that I'm around, I love it and I definitely appreciate it. And one last person that I want to talk about is a kid, DJ Harding, that I met. Young 19-year-old kid that's trying to break into the media space, attends Howard University, a prestigious HBCU institution. One of the things that I see in this media space that I really hope changes in the future is there's not a lot of minorities, especially African-American men and women. Now, I don't want to forget about the women, too, but there's not a lot of them in this space. And I saw this kid asking questions, and you know, guess what? He's 19 years old, right? So there's going to be some, some challenges. There's going to be some areas that he can improve upon. But you know what? I was thinking about what I was doing when I was 19 years old. I sure wasn't at the NFL combine interviewing potential NFL draft prospects. 
I pulled the kid to the side because you guys will, you guys can ask A-Dub when he get back. I do this shit on the regular. Anytime I can help somebody and impart some wisdom upon them, I'm going to do so. Me and this kid ended up sitting on Saturday at the combine in the stands while the quarterbacks and receivers and tight ends were doing their thing. We sat out there for like two or three hours just talking. A little bit of football was talked about, but we talked about life. I learned about him and his family, his background, and how he even got the internship that allowed him to cover the NFL Draft Combine. I told him my story how I got there, how it started from podcasting here, and it evolved into A-Dub and I starting a media company and building from there, covering teams, and getting these opportunities to cover these national events. I worked backwards, where this kid is starting from the beginning. He grew up and said, I want to be a sports journalist. A lot of you may not realize that that was the same thing that I wanted to do when I grew up. But then when I went to college, things changed, priorities changed. I had to go out here in the corporate world and make a living for myself to support my family. But I am so fortunate now that I have the opportunity to cover these events and I don't take these moments for granted. And that's why I was really inspiring to be around a kid like DJ Harding. Just seeing the enthusiasm in his eyes, the smile on his face. That's what it's all about. But I want that opportunity to be extended to not just kids like DJ, because there's more DJs out here in this world. I, I want to I open things up so that you have young, energetic journalists that come into this space, and they want to make a difference. They want to cover these players the right way. They want to allow these players to authentically tell their stories. Oftentimes, I feel like the media tries to paint a picture and push the kids in the corner. Now, look at the situation with John Moran. I know that this is a football show and things of that nature, but just give me a second here. You get a kid like John Moran. Now, I know on the outside looking at a lot of you may say prayers. There's a 23-year-old kid that's a multimillionaire, and he's fucking up, and he's throwing his opportunity out the window. Yes, I do agree with you. But what I look at is a kid that has surrounded himself with the wrong people. I grew up in the inner city. A-Dub grew up in the inner city. It takes a while for you to lose that type of mentality. And I will tell you that sometimes some of the people that are around you, you may think, hey, you know what? I'm going to bring this person with me. I want this person to be here for the good times. I want this person to see how life is on this other side. Maybe John's mind and his heart is in the right place. But some of these people, they don't mean him well. And I think that he's going to have to make some tough, hard decisions in his life. But the point of the matter of me talking about John Moran and bringing his story up, okay, I see him flashing the gun on Instagram and thinking that shit's cute. That shit ain't cute, John. But me, if I were to cover him in the NBA, I would want to understand a little bit more about what's going on with him. Why does he feel the need that he has to do that? There's obviously something going wrong with this young man. He's got to move different. I remember back in, in the old days when you had a guy like Randy Moss who came in the NFL, made multiple mistakes. The media painted him out to be a pariah. Well, look at Randy Moss now. This guy on TV, he's raised kids. They have never gotten into any sort of trouble. So my thing is, a lot of times, these narratives that the media positions about certain athletes doesn't make the athlete want to open up. And then sometimes, too, fans will say, oh, these athletes, they give these regurgitated short responses. It's all cliches. 
Well, what would you do if you're being asked a question and it almost seems like the person's trying to trip you up when you're when they're asking you a question? So, like I said, I appreciate guys like Greg and DJ that are kind of coming into this thing and really just trying to humanize the person and just authentically asking questions and just trying to get to know the person. I was finding out information from listening to some of DJ's questions. He was asking players about their favorite music. What songs do they listen to when they're trying to get warmed up? What song gets them fired up when they go out there on the field? I think that type of shit is cool. See, when you ask people like that, it disarms them. Hey, at the end of the day, we all like music. <laughs> we may have different types of musical tastes, but we all like music. Imagine if somebody walked up to you and said, hey, such and such, what's your favorite musician? What's your favorite song? You're going to pause for a second. You're probably going to smile when you think about what that song is. And then you're going to start talking. It's tough for me to even give you one. I may say Ribbon in the Sky by Stevie Wonder. Such a good song. But see, there's a meaning behind why that's my number one song or one of my top songs. Because it reminds me of childhood. It reminds me of growing up. We used to have the vinyl. We had to rate the record player when I was growing up. And that was one of the ones that was always playing on the vinyl. And for the record, I love vinyl. There's nothing better than the sound of music, man, coming off that, that 45. But anyway, you guys have tuned in and listened to me talk about the NFL Draft Combine. So here you go. I just got to tell you, first and foremost, I was humbled and honored to have been able to cover this prestigious event. I hope we get an opportunity to cover the NFL draft. But if we don't, I can always say, and I always have on my resume that I covered the NFL draft. Being in the room with all these future NFL draft picks, coaches, GMs, media people. I mean, I got to meet Michael C. Smith. Like, that was a guy when I was coming up. Seeing him on ESPN with Jamel Hill, and I was always like, man, you know what I'm saying? Michael Smith, that's a cool-ass cat, right? Well, I got to, to meet the guy. Got to share a couple words with him. You know what I'm saying? He gave me some advice. See, a lot of times people, when they think about these situations, they're like, oh, man, you guys are so lucky. Well, I wouldn't say lucky because A-Dub and I, we work our asses off over here. But I will say that there's probably is a certain level or maybe a little bit of luck, but I also kind of think that a lot of times people undercut you or undersell you when they say things like that. There's a lot of people that apply for those credentials for the NFL Draft Combine. There's a lot of people that walked away getting declined. We didn't. So that shows you, A, that someone sees value in the work and content that we put out there. That means something. That means that we are going in the right direction what we're doing here. And we're going to continue to do that. We don't take it for granted. We don't take for granted your listens. I always tell you guys at the end of every show, you guys helped us to become a top 10 Chicago Bears podcast. You guys helped us and positioned us to pivot and start a media company. Those are things that I'm always going to hold near and dear. So when I'm out there at that NFL Draft Combine, I took in the scene and I looked around and I was like, wow, this is so Fucking cool. Now, who knows how far A-Dub and I go in this media game? But I'll tell you one thing. They can't take that away from us. One day in life, I'm going to be landing in the bed somewhere. Think about last thoughts. And I can think back to these moments that I felt last week, and I'll have a smile on my face because I smiled every single day last week, being in those scrubs. I smiled every day when I was in those stands, watching the drills watching the 40s being ran. It felt great. It felt good being in the midst of scouts 
other media people, writers, reporters. It was awesome. But the one thing I would tell you guys is I wasn't intimidated because you know why? I put in the work. I prepare myself. I watch the tape. And I'm good at what I do. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. But what I'm trying to say is, is that it's not luck involved. You got to work hard at your craft if you want to be accepted into a space like this. You have to show people that you know your shit. And I guarantee you, anybody that's in one of those media scrolls with me, when they hear me ask questions, they know, hey, this guy has knowledge of the game. The guy's respectful. But guess what? He's assertive as well. He's going to get his questions asked. He's going to do it in a respectful manner. And I think in this media space, you have some people that do it the wrong way. Well, you know what? That's all them. People live how they live. I'm not here to criticize people, whatever. But all I can tell you is for me, when I was there in that, in that experience last week, I took advantage of every single day. Every minute that I was there, I took advantage. Whether that was a conversation with someone, whether that was observing somebody and what they were doing. Asking questions. Like, shit, if somebody was using a, a source or somebody was using something that, that was helping them in their craft or a way that they were trying to analyze the game or analyze a prospect, you got to humble yourself. If somebody's doing something that you're not doing, ask questions. I think a lot of times in this world, a lot of us are afraid to admit that we don't know something. I'm not. Because I want to be great at what I do, not just good at it. So anyway, the experience was amazing. Rubbing elbows with some, some big-time people out there. But even people that are in the beginning of their career, like a DJ. That shit motivates me just as much as the guy that's been in this space for 30 years, right? Because each has their own value. And honestly, each fires me up. I was fired up the whole week. Every morning. I ain't gonna lie to you. I woke six 6.45 every morning. Got over there to that Indiana Convention Center. Fired up. It felt great. I can't tell you many times in my corporate time when I got up for 6.45 how fired up I was. Maybe payday. You know what I'm saying? Maybe payday I, I woke up with a little extra something, something. But other than that, a lot of times I was trying to hit the snooze button. I ain't hit no snooze button last week. I got up and I was ready to go. And see, that's when you know that you're doing something that you love. And that's when you know that you're doing something you have a passion about. Because that's something that you like, no, I'm ready to get after it. These are 12 to 13 hour days out there. But listen, it was amazing. It was such a good experience. I love sports. I love football. A-Dub tell you guys all the time when it's shut and I played this sport. I appreciate everything that these athletes have done as far as the sacrifice and putting it all out there on the line for themselves. A lot of these kids, like a Jalen Duncan that we talked to you guys about during the Senior Bowl, who I thought was very impressive this week that a team would be lucky to have. I wish it was the Chicago Bears. I even asked him, I said, I asked him, hey, have you spoken with the Chicago Bears, whether it was formally or informally? He was like, no, sir. Now, maybe Ryan Poles is going to do some under-the-radar type of stuff, but Jalen Duncan is someone that I think would be huge. Versatile player, nasty, athletic. I asked him, like, dude, what do you like? What type of scheme do you like? And he told me, he said, I like to get out there on the move and show my athleticism and go out there and hit somebody. Man, how great would that be in this offense, right? With a Khalil Herbert and maybe a David Montgomery if he comes back. When you got a guard that's coming out there and going out there and smacking the shit out of somebody. But the other thing about Jalen Duncan that I love is he has a one-year-old daughter. 
I asked him about his kid. He smiled. That was the only time during that scrum that he smiled because what he was ready for from everybody else was to pepper him with a bunch of football questions. That's about his, about his daughter. And how that was for him as a college football player to navigate. And he talked about time management. Anybody that's out there that's a parent, you guys can relate to that if you're raising kids right now and trying to juggle a job or whatever responsibility. This kid's doing that at 22, 23 years old. But think about the fact that he's going to be able to change the trajectory of his daughter's life forever. That's amazing. And see, that's the thing is like these athletes, they all have their own stories. Devin Weatherspoon from Illinois, top-rated quarterback in the draft. Well, guess what? When Devin Weatherspoon was coming out of high school, he was a zero-star recruit. He is signed with Hutchinson Community College in Kansas. Any of you, last chance, you fans out there, you guys know Hutch. That was one of the teams that was playing Indy. But anyway, he signed with, with Hutch. And then his test scores came back, and he tested high enough for him to qualify for a Division I scholarship. So then once his test scores came up and he was eligible, then the offer started to come in. And he got an offer from Lovey Smith and the University of Illinois. And this is the thing. For all of the shit that Lovey Smith got from people in his time coaching Illinois, well, if you look at the players that tore it up in his combine and you look at the players for Illinois that snapped off this year, or if you look at the players from Illinois that took that next step this year, these were Lovey's players. Whether I look at a Quad Martin, a Devin Weatherspoon, the Brown Twins. So we got to give Lovey Smith his flowers now. But the point of me talking to you guys about a Devin Weatherspoon is this is a kid that has a big chip on his shoulder because he came in as an underdog. He went out there and he earned it, and he is now going to potentially be a top 10, a top 10 draft pick in the 2023 draft. Zero-star recruit to top 10 NFL draft. How many times does something like that happen? And see, that's the thing. That's a guy that when I had a chance to talk to him about that, I asked him, hey, look, dude, <laughs> you were counted out. What did it mean for you for someone like Lovey Smith to take a chance on you, to show that type of faith for you? What was it like for you to work with the, the new University of Illinois staff? Because obviously each coach's staff is going to be different. Lovey Smith is going to be different from Brett Bilba, right? And he talked about what he learned from both and how both were instrumental in his growth as a player and a person. See, that's the thing. A lot of people forget about the person. We can't forget about them because these guys are people. I talked to you about Chase and Cindy Brown and their trek from Canada to Florida to now the NFL. That's such a tremendous story. When I look at a guy like Ada Adabore, out of Northwestern, this is a kid that I talked to you guys about during the Senior Bowl. And this kid had a solid Senior Bowl. I'm talking about, you guys heard me. Some of the best one-on-one -on -one reps out there. Those bull rushes were incredible. He made Jared Patterson his son. And I, that's no exaggeration. He embarrassed that boy. Jared Patterson ain't been right since. Because Jared Patterson had an awful draft combine. But anyway, I'll get back to that in a little bit. But out of Bore out of Northwestern, this kid has some positional versatility. Because you could probably play him at in. 
I prefer to put him down there as a three technique there, the defense. And this kid right here has probably played himself into a late first rounder, early second round type of player. My God, his motor, he does not fucking stop. Intelligent, intense, motor. Seeing him out there, getting those reps in, getting shit done out there at the combine Andy. Love it. He's going to leave everything he has out there on the field. He doesn't waste a rep. You can't have enough players like that on your football team. Think about how many times we looked at this Bears team last year and we said, oh, man, that guy loafed on that play. Oh, Iberflus, he's going he's gonna to cut the loafs. Yeah, he did to a degree, but we still had guys out there loafing. Fire up the tape on Artaboree for Northwestern. There's no loafs. I've watched him at the Senior Bowl and I watched him out there at the Combine. The kid knows one speed and that's going all out. I would love that on this football team. And see, that's the kind of stuff that I want to talk to you guys about. These are the type of people that we should be talking about. These are the type of players that can make an impact. These are the type of players that the Chicago Bears, if they are to be the team that we all want them to be with Justin Fields as our quarterback, we got to get some more players on this team that want to play with that mindset. Play smart. Play fast. Winning players that a lot of people haven't been talking about. But Kalisha Kansi from Pitt, defensive tackle. Now, there were some people that were around me that were comparing him to an Aaron Donald. And I guess you, you can say that they both went to Pitt. I'm trying to be careful with the comparisons, right? Because hey, each player is different. But I will say this. When you look at a kid like that, he was one of the four players out there that I was really excited and intrigued to see how they were going to perform. Now, he didn't do any of the on-field drills, but he ran that 40, but he ran that 40-yard dash under 4.7. We're talking about a defensive tackle <laughs> that was running just as fast as some wide receivers out there in the combine. That's ridiculous. 280-pound player running at that type of speed. Sign me up for that shit. Sign me the fuck up. Now, he may be a, a, a first-round draft pick. He may, you know, be an early second-round draft pick. But this is a guy right here that I thought really took advantage of the opportunity out there. You run a 4-6-7, 40-yard dash as a 280-pounder? Yeah. <laughs> you ready for this. You are ready for this next level. And see, those are the things that I, I just I love about this, this combine. I love about this process because you can get guys from a program that, you know, may not be on TV every week, right? Like your Georgias and your Ohio States and your Notre Dame and, and programs like that. But it's an even playing field because now it's like, look, yeah, you may have this type of pedigree from this type of program, but hey, <laughs> at this combine, we all go out there and go out here and go get it. And that's what I really love about the combine because it allows guys like that an opportunity to show you what they got. A guy that's slightly disappointed me was Andre Carter. Now, this was the edge rusher that I talked to you guys about during the Senior Bowl that I bigged up because I said, hey, Andre Carter, the government changed the rule to allow him to enter the NFL draft. But I would say he disappointed in the sense of some of his testing just wasn't good. He didn't display the athleticism that I thought could be there, right? I saw some things at the senior bowl that I thought was going to translate over to the combine. It didn't happen. On the bench press, he put out some lower numbers there. 
He's an edge rusher. I just wanted to see a little bit more. I didn't think that he took advantage. I didn't think he took advantage of his opportunity. That right there was pre- that was kind of disappointing. I talked to you guys about Julius Bricks, quarter from Kansas State. I was hiring him coming out of the senior bowl, as you guys already know. And he did nothing last week at the combine to change my mind on that. A lot of people say, well, Prez, you realize that this guy transferred away from Iowa. Yeah, there was a lot of talent on that Iowa team. But by him transferring from Iowa to Kansas State, he transferred to a program that allowed him an opportunity. And that is what I always talk about. Hey, when you get an opportunity, you go out there and you seize that opportunity. And who wouldn't want the opportunity to see the field more, to play? I mean, think about you in your everyday life. We all are looking for opportunity. I'm looking for opportunity. Shit, you got some opportunity for me. I'll go out there and do whatever you need. But at the end of the day, these guys are no different. Like I said, he was an immediate starter for K-State. I talked to you guys about his height, that size, the way he likes to play. He likes to get physical. He likes to jam those receivers off the line of scrimmage. The 40-yard dash, it was respectable. But again, Sometimes I'm not all keen on the 40 times because you have to also take the combine for what it is. The combine should not be what you're looking at to say, hey, this guy can play football. No, the combine is supposed to be like where you're just kind of like, all right, I want to dot some I's and I want to cross some T's about this person. I want to get this person in a room. I want to interview them and I want to kind of see where their head is, right? That's what this combine is about. If you want to see somebody can play, you fire up some fucking tape. The combine is just for you to kind of get some confirmations. And so I feel like a guy like Julius Brent, hey, he confirms some shit. You guys heard Tyson Anderson on this show last week. He talked about his goals for 2023 is to leave no doubt. When I look at these players out here that are taking advantage of their opportunities, that's all this combine is for them, is the opportunity for them to leave no doubt. Because you know what these NFL scouts are doing. They're looking for reasons to tell these kids no. Think about you when you go to a job interview. They're asking you questions because they're trying to trip you up. They're trying to get you to tell them how you aren't qualified for this job. Same thing with these NFL prospects. So shout out to Julius Brents because I thought he did a tremendous job of making sure, hey, they're not going to tell him no whatsoever. Now, I talked earlier about Quan Martin from Illinois, safety. You talk about a guy that came from a senior bowl who had a decent week. He was having a decent week at the senior bowl to come into the NFL combine and lighten things up. I'm talking about that 44-inch vertical jump. Jesus Christ. The 4-4 and the 40, mercy. You talk about a kid that raised his draft stock and his draft profile? Leave no doubt. And Quad Martin left no doubt. And I'll tell you one thing, man, I would love to see you win if the Chicago Bears can get a guy like this on their team because oftentimes he was overshadowed playing in the secondary with a Devin Weatherspoon and a Sidney Brown. And I would argue with people that I thought Quan Martin was just as important as those two. And the reason why I say that is because it's versatility. You fire up the tape on him. You don't have to take my word for it. Fire up the tape on some of those Illinois games, and you'll see 21 out there flashing. He ain't hard to find. In addition to not being hard to find, that draft combine performance for him is going to make some scouts go back to the tape and watch those games that I'm talking about. Again, this process is about confirming some things. 
And in some cases, if there was a prospect that people were like, oh, shit, I ain't know it was like that. Yeah, go fire up that tape. Go find out some things. And that's why this process is so, so damn important to guys. So important. I talked to you guys about the quarterbacks, Bryce Young. Hey, you know what I'm saying? He confirmed some things. Great there. C.J. Stroud, same thing there. Anthony Richardson, bro, enough said with those three. Now, another guy, wide receiver, Trey Palmer. I talked to you guys about him from the senior bowl. He flashed during the week of practice. Trey Palmer went out there at the draft combine last week and ran a 4-3-3-40. Speed fucking kills. Now, I know there's some people who be like, oh, Prez, oh, don't, don't, you know, you just say how you don't get caught up in the numbers. I don't. But speed still kills. Could you imagine that type of speed in this office with Justin Fields having the, the ability to throw the football to a 4-3-3 guy that could get separation? We talk about so many times how these receivers were not getting open, how they weren't getting separation. Come on, man. This kid right here boosted his stock. Again, confirming. Again. Teams are going to be going back to the tape, firing it up, trying to see what's up with this kid. Not only did he show that he was quick, I think that he showed that he was one of the best athletes in this draft. And, I mean, a lot of people talk about a Darius Davis from TCU who ran a 4-3-7. Darius Davis is a solid receiver as well. But I look at Trey Palmer, and I'm like, look, this is a guy that you can get out there in the middle rounds. Man, that's such a good gift for our Bears. So, that's a guy right there that I really, really like. I mean, other receivers that they'll talk about, they'll talk to you about a Jackson and Jigbo Smith. Cool. Great receiver. I honestly think that people aren't talking about him enough. I think that people are undercutting this kid because of his injury issues from last season. It's hard to ignore what he did the previous year when he broke records. You got to give this kid his due. So he's a guy that I don't want you guys to ignore out there. I know some Bears fans are real ones. You guys know about Jackson. But there's some people out there in the scouting world, they kind of disrespect him because he had a little bit of a, a setback last year with the injuries. But let's don't be a fool out there. In the words of D. Rose, you can be a fool if you won't. This kid can play. But anyway, Zay Flowers, Boston College, he's another one of the top receivers in the draft. But the point of the reason why I'm bringing up guys like Jackson, the reason why I'm bringing up a guy like Zay Flowers, is because I want you guys, when you think about Trey Palmer, just think about his skill set, his versatility, and what he could do. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to translate to what an Ejigba Smith could do because that guy right there, I think, has the potential to be a game changer. But imagine what a 4-3-3-40 guy could do when he's a super athlete when you give him a quarterback like Justin Fields. Mercy. And there were so many of these wide receivers that anytime you brought up Justin Fields to them, they talked about how they would love to play with him. That, just, that goes to show you that the Bears are in the right spot because how many times did you have that shit in the past? How many times in the past did you have somebody talking about some, oh, yeah, I would love to come here and have such and such quarterback thrown to me? No, you never heard that shit in the past. You heard them they say, oh, I want to come here. I want to play with a clear back. I want to come here and I want to play with a Keem Hicks. Yeah, that's what you heard. You never heard that about our quarterback back then. It's amazing to just understand the situation that we're in. Ryan Poles, I'm telling you, boy, I hope that when he wakes up every day, he wakes up knowing that he could be the king, literally king of this fucking city if he gets this thing right. Oof, man, man, man. I mean, I, I like to think that he's prepared. I like to think 
that he's the man for the job. I hope he is. Because I'm telling you, if he brings a success, if he brings a Super Bowl here to Chicago, that man, you, you see how we celebrate the 85 Bears. And you hear the 85 Bears, y'all know how long ago that damn shit was. <laughs> we almost approaching 40 years. Ryan Poles will never have to pay for a meal of this town ever again. I was looking for a quarterback that had a similar type of skill set to a Justin that we could bring into the mix, right? Because I think that that's important. When you think about your offense, and a lot of you guys know this, this is something we talked about before, but you don't want if something happens to your number one guy that when the backup comes in, you have to change up your whole entire offense because the guy that's coming in there can't do the things that the number one guy can do. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and say too many people have the skill set of a Justin Fields. But I would say if you can find somebody that can have that ability to run, that can be elusive, that when plays break down, they can, you know, make something happen. If you can find a guy like that, it would be helpful. I was looking for that guy out there in this draft. And I mean, shh, outside of Anthony Richardson, who that's not happening. And then that, that's not even something I'm even thinking about because Anthony Richardson's a kid that you want to be your QB one in the future. But I'm looking at, I was looking at a guy like Malik Cunningham. And I said, okay, well, he's got like a little bit of an elusive style to him. But Malik Cunningham went out there and he just couldn't throw the ball over for Dana. Now, I think a Dorian Thompson Robinson type. This is a quarterback out of UCLA that coming into this combine, a lot of people didn't even think he was going to get drafted. I think he solidified a spot whether a team could take a chance on him in the sixth or seventh round. I hope that it's the Bears. I hope Ryan Poles is looking at this kid. I thought he improved a lot on his throws. And then once he got comfortable out there, once he settled in, hey, that quick release of his, man, it was nice. One of the areas that he's going to have to clean up with his game is his deep ball. That deep ball accuracy wasn't there. As you guys all know about this show, I often tell you guys about Justin Fields and how that deep ball accuracy is, is just second to none. So Dorian Thompson-Robinson, that's a guy at the quarterback position who I think could be a good fit there for the Bears. Another wide receiver that I thought was pretty impressive last week was Ronnie Bell from Michigan. Probably could be a day three guy. I see a lot of traits from him. And obviously, as you guys know, we cover Big Ten football via the University of Illinois. But we've gotten a chance to observe a lot of Ronnie Bell's game. I think that we haven't seen the best of what he can do. And I think that he could, I think that he could develop into a starting wide receiver in this NFL. I thought. Just, just me watching him in those drills. He showed a lot of change of direction ability, the explosion off of the line of scrimmage and getting it out of his routes and having that suddenness. I thought that was really good. He had a really nice one-handed catch out there. Those are some things that stood out for him. Things from scouting him and watching him play in the Big Ten. The guy was always a reliable option for the quarterbacks there in that Michigan offense. A tight end that really impressed me from the week was Darnell Washington from Georgia. Now, this guy is huge, 6'7", almost 270 pounds. I see him coming into the league and serving as almost like a sixth offensive lineman. That's kind of how Georgia utilized him. He really showed you a lot here in the combine. He had a sick one-handed catch as well. I mean, these guys, I mean, this is ridiculous, the things that these guys can do on the football field. It's amazing. But – a guy like here, a guy like this, we talk about here in Chicago, wanting to run the football, wanting to protect our quarterback. Well, if you got a guy like this coming in at 6'7, 270 pounds, they can block. I mean, he's an elite blocker. 
fire up the film, watch him at George. He gets down. But imagine this guy right here in the red zone at 6'7". He will leak him out, put him out there as a, as a red zone target. I mean, this guy right here is a no-brainer for Ryan Poles to look at here in this draft. Now, there are obviously uh, there are obviously some things that about this prospect that I want to bring up to you guys. He doesn't have the burst of maybe some of the more t polished tight end prospects that are in this draft. But I tell you one thing, man: you got a large human being right here who gives Justin Fields a really large target to throw the football at. But again, what he's able to do in that run game, what he'll be able to do standing and blocking. He turned heads for me when he ran that 40-yard dash. Again, confirming. Showing you that he belongs. Forcing teams to fire up the tape on him again and give him a second look. Darnell Washington did that for me. That's somebody at the tight end position that I love. Because at tight end, everybody's talking about Michael Mayer. Everybody's talking about Kincaid. Those are two of the top tight ends on the board. But you give me a guy like Darnell Washington any day of the week, he epitomizes what I would love to see here in Chicago. I talked to you guys about Jalen Duncan already. Another guy that I want you guys to really think about. And somebody that you guys may have probably followed along with during the combine, but John Gaines II, the guard out of UCLA, I thought that he had probably one of the best weeks on the offensive line. Athletic as hell. Now, some people may say, well, Perez, he's a little undersized. We already know how that's going to go here in Chicago. Okay, maybe. He's athletic. He's got that speed. And I love that. I think that he did enough on Sunday to jump up the top of some draft boards. Whether that's in Chicago, hey, that's up to Ryan Post to decide. But I'm just telling you about guys that really impressed me. I thought Cody Mock that we talked about from the senior bowl, North Dakota State. Who wouldn't want this guy on their team? The guy's huge. So when you think about a damn offensive lineman, <laughs> when I see Cody Mock, I'm like, yeah, he, he fits the bill for that shit. His draft stock is pretty much at the highest it's going to get right now. I don't know if it's going to be at a level where the Bears can go get him, but he impresses me. I know a lot of you guys like John Michael Schmitz. He impressed me from the senior bowl. But when I looked at him at the combine, he didn't really test as well as I thought. So I'm not going to really hold that against him because, again, the tape, that's the ultimate fucking decider. The, the, the tape is the thing that's it's, it's going to tell the whole story. But just know that there was a lot of hype after the senior bowl for him. I thought he was going to come into the combine and capitalize on all the hype that was surrounding him. He didn't really do so. Hopefully, these scouts and everything, they just kind of just like rely on what they saw from the from the season when they were scouting him. They rely on what they saw from watching the tape. But any team that's running his own scheme, it's hard to ignore a guy like this. I just thought that his week there at the combine, it just left a little bit to be desired. You know what I mean? I thought his numbers were just kind of like so-so. Ryan Poles may be looking at that and like, hey, I already know who this guy is. I love this kid. If his draft stock falls a little bit, great. That's better for us here in Chicago. So you never know how it'll play out. But that's a guy that I wanted to just make sure that I kind of touched on, you know, as we kind of go through this. Darnell Wright, offensive tackle to the C. This is another guy that we talked to you guys about during the Senior Bowl. Shit, man, this guy might have snuck into the first round. But he has done nothing but, again, confirm. 333-pound offensive tackle. 
ran fast, but it don't matter. I don't really care about my offensive line and running all that fast. I like my guards to be a little quicker where they can get out there and fucking hit somebody. But he ran pretty well at the damn combine. Elite athlete. But where he, I thought, made the best impact on this was during the drills. Good footwork. I mean, that's the thing with offensive linemen. You always want to make sure that the footwork is really solid. And he was fluid. Again, a 330-pound man that I'm over here telling you guys he ran well. But then also, if you talk about the footwork, you talk about all the other intangibles, these are the things that might push him up in there in the first round of that draft. Now, again, selfishly, we can't have all these players. But if some kind of way that this man could fall back into that, that second round, I'd be a happy-ass dude. McClendon Curtis, UT Chattanooga, he's another guy that I really think could be a potential good player here for the Bears. At the senior bowl, remember as I mentioned, he got some run in a tackle. But a lot of people think that he may be better suited as a guard. But again, it shows you some of that versatility. Six-foot-six frame, you never know what will happen there. Osiris Torrance. A-Dub got a chance to interview him at the Senior Bowl. Osiris is a big fucking guy, man. Nasty as it comes on film. I mean, just nasty as he can be on film. Really good player. I thought he did a great job with the drills. There were some questions about him, I understand. But again, what do these players do at the combine? They confer. He got show light feet for a big human being. Everything wasn't perfect with him. But when, when I was kind of looking at it and evaluating him and, and, and doing my write-up on him, I thought that his lateral movements was a lot better than what I saw from him at the senior bowl. So, again, Osiris Torres, huge. Jalen Duncan, I talked to you guys about him already. He tweaked his ankle a little bit during the drill, so he didn't participate uh, in any of the agility stuff. But I thought that he did a really good job with some of the other things that he was able to participate in. And his pro day is probably going to tell the story for him. So I'll definitely be keeping my eye out on his pro day at Maryland and just kind of see how things go for him just because he'll have a little bit more chance to, like, heal up and, and make sure that that ankle is right. But, like, this is another guy, even though he said that he hasn't spoken with the Bears, I'm hoping that that was just a smoke screen. And hopefully that Ryan Poles and his, and his organization has had some conversations with him. On the defensive line, I already talked to you guys about Ada Adabore. That guy right there would be huge as a Chicago Bear potential prospect. Byron Young from Tennessee. This guy would be huge as an edge rusher type of prospect. He had a really good 40 time. But the thing that I liked about that 40 time is that he was able to leverage that and to look at really explosive in his on-field drills. He was somebody that really stood out to me. Again, we talk about our edge rushers. We want to make sure that someone has good balance. They can move laterally and vertically, right? Getting up the field. Those are some things that I thought that he showed really well in those drills. The one flaw that I saw was when he had to go up and show you multiple pass rush moves. He kind of was limited there. But see, that's some things that hopefully at the next level, he'll kind of build on that, right? We saw that with Dominic Robinson, where Dominic Robinson has a ton of potential. But some of those pass rush moves, we got to, you know, get those things kind of tightened up. I mean, you think about it, right? When you had a Khalil Mack here, who I would love if he came back to the Bears, but that's a conversation for next week's show. Khalil Mack has so many pass rush moves in his bag, but that shit comes with experience. That comes from doing this. And so a guy like Byron Young, right, I'm not going to ding him too much on the fact that he doesn't have that, but, man, he has a lot of potential and it oozes. Again, he's a guy right there that I think is going to force a lot of scouts to give him a second look out there on the film. But that's an edge rusher prospect that really, really stood out to me. At linebacker, 
I got a guy, Jack Campbell, that I've talked to you guys about in the past from Iowa. This guy's huge, man. 6'5", almost 250 pounds. Again, another guy that we've covered here. We've saw a lot of Iowa-Illinois games. We saw a lot of Iowa-Michigan games, Iowa-Northwestern games. This guy, Jack Campbell, all he does is make plays. Now, he's the epitome of uh, the 40-yard time. Let's throw that out the window. Because this 40-yard time, was, it was okay. That also kind of lines up with what we see if you watch the film of the Jack Campbell. But that's not his game. You're talking about a linebacker that's 6'5". What he's going to be able to do is utilize that lift. He's got quick feet, right? So that helps. That helps him to get in position. The three-code drill at the combine, I was watching him in that drill. He looked damn good at that drill. And so when I see him doing those type of drills and doing well, that's the stuff that matters to me more than a 40-yard time. Because what that three-code drill, and you guys may already know this, but for the people that don't know, what that drill does is it tests your ability to change directions at very high speeds. So we got a 6'5", 250-pound person that's excelled in a drill like that. Oh, yeah, you can sign me up all day long for a guy like that. Sign me up. I think he's underrated, and I would love a guy like that. I mean, we talked about Jack Sanborn last season and how the fact that I don't know how he didn't get drafted. Yeah, you give me a guy like Jack Campbell here. I know people are going to be like, man, Prez, you want these slow-footed linebackers here in Chicago. I don't give a fuck. If they can play football and if they can tackle, they can make plays, I don't give a fuck who you put out there. But a guy like Jack Campbell, I would love him here in Chicago. That would be amazing. That would really, really be great. I mean, so audience, I mean, that was, in a nutshell, my draft combine experience. That, in a nutshell, were the players that stood out to me the most. And I know you'll, you'll probably hear other shows where they're going to be probably talking to you guys about all the high-level prospects. That's cool because those guys are great. I mean, there's a lot of top talent here in that first round. But I wanted to talk to you guys about some of the people in this draft that I thought that the Bears will go out there and get, right? And I want to talk to you guys about those guys in that second to third or fourth, fifth round, because that is in the past where we've seen guys come in here and have the most impact on this team. And so I just want to make sure that we hone in on those type of players for you guys. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the show and for helping make us a top 10 Chicago Bears podcast. We're going to holler at y'all next week. Until then, we are out.